0: Welcome along to another episode of X-Files Talk X-Files, the only podcast willing to be abducted by aliens to avoid paying child support. I'm your host, David Harwood, and joining me tonight from X-Files.news, I have Trish Silver and Laura Dander. Hello to both of you. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you both? You doing good?
1: Good, good.
0: Excellent. Great. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, today's episode, we are going to talk through what was possibly going to be at one time the final ever episodes of the show. Um, <laughs> seeing that in 2015, on the verge of getting some new episodes, it's kind of ridiculous now looking back, knowing that we had two whole full seasons after these. But uh, once upon a time, this was going to be how the show potentially wrapped up. We're talking all things through to Requiem. Before we get into our episode discussion, though, we do have a listener question, and uh, thank you to Jeremy Blackman, who sent through this listener question at the you know 11th hour. We were running out of listener questions, we put the requests out on Facebook and Twitter and some other sites, and finally we got uh, somebody coming back to us. So, listeners, if you have got a question, uh, anything at all that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast, please, please get in touch, uh, because we do need some questions, so don't think, oh, I could send it in and they're not going to answer it. Send it in because we need them at this point. So <laughs> so Jeremy's question is a simple one. Who is your favorite X-Files writer? Or you can pluralize that if you like. So Laura, do you want to take this one first?
2: Um, okay. I'm going to skip past the obvious ones, that being Frank and Vince Gilligan, of course, because it seems like those are the popular choices. But um, mine are actually James Wong and Glenn Morgan. I actually, I just really respect their writings. And um, Glenn Morgan had me terrified with Home. Like, that was <laughs> the first ep- that was the first episode I ever watched. And I was like, this is the most deranged show I've ever seen. And it just, like, I was hooked from that moment on. And so I have to give him major props for that. And I'm also a fan of James Wong, of course. I'm a big fan of both their works.
0: Well, yeah, those are mine. <laughs> yeah, good answer, good answer. Trish, how about you?
1: Um, okay, so I'm gonna have to go with like the obvious re- uh, the obvious answer for this one because I just love Vince Gillian so much. He- Vince and Frank are my favorite writers in this whole show. Like, I-, I I'm a huge fan of Breaking Bad and. What Vince Gilligan did on that show is brilliant. And you can see so much of the X-Files in that show and, and his writing too. And like to see the beginning of his career in the X-Files and see how well he wrote in the X-Files is just great. I, I love all of it. Like When I was looking, I was researching to answer this question earlier today. I was just like looking to see what all the episodes were written by all the major writers in the show. And it's just like every single episode that I – count as my favorite episode was either Vince Gilligan or Frank Spotnitz, So I'm going to have to go with those two. Although I do, um, I must say, even though he only wrote one episode for the X-Files, I do love what Will and B. Davis did on enemy because he, it it seems to me like he has so much more insight into what cancer man is really about. And what he did on that episode was brilliant. It's just, it's, so different from everything else, but it's you—you you can feel like that is exactly what *Cancer Man* is about. Like that's him, and you feel like william B. Davis got him to the dot, like on point. He was perfect on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I and I'd have to agree with that. I, I think that if uh, listeners of this podcast probably are already well aware that I worship at the altar of Vince Gilligan, and. Um, <laughs> You know, it's no no big secret that Bad Blood and X-Cops are among my very favorite episodes of the show. And I was trying to, you know, sort of analyze why I like him so much. And I think it's because he really comes at things from a character perspective. I mean, those two episodes, yeah. we've had a lot of comedic episodes throughout the nine seasons of the show. But those two, the humor comes from his, you know, the way that he understands the characters of Mulder exactly. and Scully so well. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul 2 and listening to the podcasts where they talk about their creative process and stuff. It really seems like it's the characters that drive those shows. They don't necessarily have a plot in mind. They kind of approach things from, okay, this is what's happened last. Now, what would Walter White do in this situation? What's, you know, his legitimate sort of, you know, if he was a real person, what would he actually do? And it kind of you can see how that approach to the character is organic in everything that he's done in the X-Files and since then. Yeah. Um, and he's also one of the writers that was never afraid to experiment a little bit, um, right. especially with form and structure. I mean, Bad Blood is, you know, the obvious example, but even with things like Folio Deux and Small Potatoes, Monday, Hungry, Je Sweat, which we're talking about yeah. tonight, and John Doe, it's all it's not the conventional sort of teaser, Mulder and Scully in their office discussing the case, they go out boom, 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 boom some sort of resolution, you know, there's things sort of shift and in a lot of these episodes Small Potatoes, Folio de uh, Je souhaite, it's like the case wraps up by the end of the third act and then the fourth act is something completely different, it's right. Scully getting wooed by the fake Mulder it's Mulder That's gets to have free wishes from the genie Or he gets checked into a mental asylum. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I'm Vince Gilligan all the way for me.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Let's go on to the episodes then, and we'll kick off with uh, Gillian Anderson's debut as a writer, director, all things. So, Trish, John, jump in with this.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, so um, when I was re watching this episode today, I was thinking, like, how. This one is almost at the same level but it's opposite as never again to me because in never again you see Scully trying to like find herself and reasons for her act- actions and she at the end of the episode she leaves more confused than she started with. It's just like doubting what her future is going to be and all of that. But in all things it's like she she's still confused. She's like, she's confused about all of this at this moment in her life but like all the choices that she makes she still manages to leave super sure about the fact that she actually did make the right choice in this and um i love how she and like if for this being her first directing she does a fantastic job in this she she starts she sets the rhythm of the episode going with like the dripping water on the faucet. It's just it sets the tone of the entire episode just by like that little dripping of the water on it. It's it's brilliant. I I love what she does with this. It's 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 great. Even if for me like her first time. I think she's fantastic in it.
0: Yeah. Laura, do you want to chime in with some thoughts on this one?
2: Oh uh, yeah, I totally agree with that being um, close to never again with the vibes there, and um, there's just so much going on in this episode. It's um, when you know a little bit about Jillian, you understand the Buddhist touches are definitely from her, and like her going to the Buddhist temple. I just I love the cinematography in this episode, like, yeah. when, she, like when you see Scully going to the Buddhist temple and when she opens her eyes, the Buddhist eyes are open where before they were closed. Like that's just so powerful and like. Um, but gets stopped by the woman who ends up turning into Mulder somehow <laughs> in the end. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's, it's so crazy. I love it. I just I love that stuff. It's one of my yeah. favorite episodes for sure.
1: I, I agree. I would have to say that All Things is also one of my favorite too. And like talking about that ponytail lady turning into Mulder at the end, like I love how she's like trying to get, and you know at the end when she's talking about like all oh, paying attention to signs in her life and all that and like, Throughout this entire episode, you, like, that lady, that's her signs. Like, she is the sign person that she's supposed to pay attention to throughout the whole thing because she's the one who's going to lead her to the right path that she's supposed to be following. And, and then she turns out to be Mulder at the end. So it's like, it makes you think that Scully actually did all the right things that she was supposed to do in her life and follow all the right signs. And it all brought her to Mulder so like she did make the right choice and if you are to believe all this stuff that, she, that Scully was talking about like the one the only one path in, in your story that she mentions about it so like it makes sense that she did follow everything and she still ended up you know like in the FBI with Mulder chasing down aliens so it, it makes you think that she did make the right choice.
0: And on that note, I'm just going to be completely honest and say every time I watch this episode, I always forget that Mulder is in bed at the beginning when she's getting dressed.
1: <laughs> That's like the main thing.
0: It never fails. Every time I watch it, it's like,
1: oh, yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> and then every time all of us watch it, we're like, yeah, he's in bed with her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um,
1: I, you know what's funny? Like, that that gray sweater that she wears. And, it, and when I was watching today, like a bunch of the episodes all at once, one you know back to back, uh, you see that green sweater a lot. She wears that green sweater of sex. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> she does. She does, yeah. She really does.
0: Yeah, I'll have to rewatch for that, I guess.
1: <laughs> you know what else there is in this episode? Like you see a little bit of Scully's apartment in this, and you see that she has a Mac computer and she has a webcam on that computer. Who's is going to be Skyping with?
0: Skyping with (laughs) Wilder? We're going down that road already, okay.
1: (laughs) I think she has a webcam. Why does she have a webcam?
0: (laughs) Okay, well, to take this into a different tact of conversation, um, (laughs) this episode is all about her and her life choices and, and all of that, But watching this most recent time, just those bits where everything does slow down, you have the rhythmic noises, the pencil tapping, as she gets the x-ray or the cord on the blinds bumping on the window frame when Mulder calls her and asks her to go pick up the crop circle data. I sort of, this time that I watched it, sort of took that that those are kind of moments where fate is sort of making itself known and it's fate that's kind of guiding her whether it's to make particular choices or whether it's guiding her into a situation where she can reflect and evaluate her choices that she's made up to that point. But it's, you know, it's kind of like something, some greater power, whether it's fate or whatever else, is sort of guiding her on this particular journey, whether it's, you know, to place her with Mulder at the end or to put her in a position where she feels like that is where she's meant to be.
1: Yeah, And.
0: It's um, this is the episode I think which, looking back, you can really kind of see the shift in Scully from the skeptic to the believer, and it's not obvious, it's not in your face, and it's not a straightforward moment where she switches from here on out. And looking forward to season eight, Badlar is kind of the episode where most people kind of see she makes that sh- she makes that switch, or she's. Yeah struggling from trying to fill Mulder's shoes in his absence by being the believer. Um, but this is one where uh, I, there's a quote here about uh, Scully pursues a deeply personal ex-file, one in which she's taken down a spiritual path when logic fails her. Um,
1: yeah.
0: But this is one where um, she's not just going for the, going after the science or what she knows. Um, She does that whole thing where she brings in the spiritual healer and Daniel plays the scully to her scully and says, of course, the voodoo didn't work. Um, But she's open. She's more open here than she ever has been to um, unconventional explanations or unconventional solutions. And over the next few episodes that we're going to discuss, that does actually come back and play a bit of a part because she is instrumental in developing, a, uh, developing some sort of cure for Mulder after he's infected with the tobacco beetles in Brand X. Um, the glee on her face when she encounters the Invisible Man in Giswet, um, which is oh, yeah. one where you know, she is really kind of accepting <laughs> that something incredible and unexplainable is right in front of her. And throughout Requiem, she seems very accepting of the idea of aliens and a crashed UFO. Whereas <laughs> she would yeah, normally, I think
1: she's finally coming into terms with the fact that, you know, she's seen so much, so much has happened. And she has to accept the fact that, you know, there might actually be extreme possibilities and of explanations of things. Besides all of her scientific reasoning for everything.
0: Oh, well, maybe by sleeping with Malda, she really has become Mrs. <laughs> <this is> spooky
1: Mrs. <laughs> spooky
0: um you yeah, know i wanted to say as well that the the scene in the hospital where she leads the resuscitation of daniel is pretty badass that, yeah you know she just takes charge
1: she does. right from
0: the get-go there it's awesome
1: i love her little one-liner so like who's paying attention it's like asking for all this is like who's paying attention? So not Jeez,
0: not i've got it anymore. right here i'm Jeez, doing like, it Come on. <laughs> And I want to shout out as well to uh, Colleen Flynn, who plays uh, Colleen Azar in this episode, who was previously Michelle Fazikas in Detour, the redheaded sure. sheriff. There's not many redheads other than Scully that show up in X Files, and when they do, they are usually significant. With one glaring omission,
1: <laughs> Laura. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We shall not talk about that. <laughs>
0: Uh, any other thoughts on this episode and there's a lot um, that there's a lot that we could go into here and it's just yeah, matter of how do you articulate yeah. it
1: I, I have like two little things that I would like to say you know like there's um the when you were talking about like the slow motion set of this episode i i that I compare that to like you know because when you were talking about how like all you're supposed to be paying attention and that's all the fate you know, all the slow motion leads to all the fate things in it and that is it's almost like those Hitchcock shots in the Hitchcock movies where you, he has like the very close angle to make sure that we're actually paying attention to what he's showing us. Like in dial M for murder when he's like hiding the key uh, in the stairway, you know, like it it, it reminded me a lot of that. Like it's all the little slow motion. It it reminded me a lot of Hitchcock in this, all of that, the, the shots that she did on that. And also, um, I, I never noticed this before, but when I was rewatching it today, there's a lot of things with the number three in this episode. There's a uh, the first slide that Moser shows in in the office has three crop circles. His room number is three o six, and her house, Colleen's house, number is three. So, like, what is the significance of the number three in this? I I didn't really catch that. I don't even know if there is supposed to be one.
0: Maybe it's just the love triangle that there's three points. <laughs>
1: Maybe. Yeah. Um, I also really liked the um, the two, and there's, again, the, the two hospital rooms, like the 304 where Colleen is. And it's funny because, like, as soon as she walks in there, you can you can see the contrast between that room and the one that Watterson is staying at. It, that room is red and brown and warm and cheerful and all that and happy. Versus his room, which is like it's blue and it's dark and it's all really sad. She had a little Vince Gilligan influence in that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the playing the colors.
0: So what's the red? What's the red sweat? The uh, sorry, the green sweater signify?
1: Um, I don't know. That she's having sex with Mulder, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You
2: see how yep, that's it, that's it. it. that better <laughs> okay. I want to believe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, well from um, that subtextual message, let's go uh, and segue into Brand X, uh, which has the typically subtle X Files subtext of smoking is bad.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh this is one of the, the rare episodes which was kind of ripped from the headlines. It came out around the same sort of time that the Insider movie came out. And I think that's oh, yeah. um, an admitted influence on them when they created this episode. Um, and it, it actually kind of is quite neat because, because David and Gillian both were directing their own episodes around this time. And I'm not sure what the production yeah. order was. But they had to accommodate in this episode for them both to get a little less screen time. So that's why uh, Mulder gets infected with the thing and he's stuck in a hospital bed for half of the episode was so that it was easier for them to shoot his scenes all in one day rather than having him at different locations. And it's also yeah. why Skinner becomes a key part of the team, which is really nice because it was kind of cool when he came at the end of San and when they found the child killer. It's kind of neat seeing him be a part of the team. And I think it's probably this episode that led people to speculate that he would be replacing Mulder as Scully's partner in season eight when it became clear that David wasn't going to be back for every episode. Um, So it's kind of a a nice Skinner episode in a way, actually seeing him do proper police work, Um, which is not really that x file y to an extent. (laughs) Um, and
1: it's it's funny because he's almost like an agent in this episode. He, you know, he's like staying at the guy's house. Why? He's the director,
0: assistant Why is director. Spending,
1: yeah, assistant director. Why he's spending the night there? Not have like five thousand agents there. He's just delegating. But no, he's actually there.
0: Yeah. Well, he likes to get his hands dirty. You know. I like,
1: guess yeah, every now and then. He has I mean, to.
0: he has Mulder and Scully, who are like. On, just on this X-Files kind of thing in the basement. So he actually has some proper agents that I'm sure he takes interest in what's going on in their lives as well and kind of feels for them because they're actually getting shot at by criminals yeah. and stuff. But we only ever see him kind of putting his arms around Muldron and and comforting them making sure they're okay. I'm sure there's some people out there working for him who are actually doing some proper FBI police work, you know, so he... <laughs> he probably like takes care of those as well, and maybe one of those had something horrible happen to them recently. So he's like, "Okay, I'll go in. I'll sit in this guy's off. I'll sit yeah. in this guy's living room and make sure he gets to court on time." And then this happens, and yeah, I don't know. Um, where's the fanfic on this sort of stuff? You know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the green sweater. Nothing about Skinner nope. when he's actually doing his no, real I don't job. That think the
1: green sweater makes an appearance in this episode, or maybe it's this at the end. I can't remember. <laughs>
0: Um, uh-huh. Of course, we have one of Mulder's <laughs> classic one-liners in this episode, Yeah. Uh, which is can't blow the whistle with a mouth like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing about this episode, too, is like, it's, you know, this is season seven. They're well into the show. And um, this episode felt like it got back to the moody atmosphere. from It like the really did.
0: Seasons. Yeah.
1: You know, you see a lot of that creepy stuff coming back up. And of course, a lot of that goes to toby bell who gives an incredible performance in this episode and it's it's almost as if that part was written with him in mind like he fits so well in that character it's really really good
0: yeah he really does
1: yeah it's also funny that this whole episode is about smoking and there is not one single mention of the smoky man
0: I think that that was probably by design. I think when they figured out it was going to be in this world, and especially that it's Morley cigarettes, everybody's kind of thinking there's going to be some sort of link with the conspiracy or with CSM, and nope, not one mention. Not a
1: thing.
0: Although one nitpick I do have is when Mulder buys cigarettes at the end of the episode... You know, they kind of had this discussion, like, oh, you're going to start smoking now? It's like, well, he he did smoke back in, like, the early 90s. Yeah. In Unusual Suspects, we saw that.
1: Uh-huh. And <laughs> so did Scully. She smoked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> in Vegas? Yeah,
1: he did smoke too in it Suzuki that one time. Yeah, in that episode she
2: smoked. In the hotel room,
1: yeah. <clears throat> it's really funny when... when she, she's like all frowning upon the idea that he's actually thinking about picking up smoking and then he just like gives it up immediately like, uh-huh.
0: Yeah, what well, he should have said was well, you're not going to be a Nazi about it are you
1: <laughs> I also really like the uh, him and her directing he, every time he directs an episode it's just it's gorgeous but it's uh, there's something about this episode you know like there's so many low shots looking up at the actors it's almost as if it's, like, giving uh, the view of, like, the tobacco beetles. It's like, their perspective on the, the whole story. I love the, the low shots in this episode. <laughs> like, you're seeing everything through their eyes.
0: Yeah, and he's the bug man, so he had to direct this episode.
1: Yeah. It's really funny when Kelly talks about how she knows an entomologist, and it's not Dr. Bambi. It's not Dr. <laughs> Dr. Bambi.
0: that would have been so cool if they just randomly brought her back into this episode which is not a comedic one at all no (laughs) that would have been pretty cool because chuck gets to randomly come back we saw him like twice throughout the first six seasons and then suddenly season seven he's there like every other episode
1: yeah (laughs) really
0: funny so yeah bring back bambi maybe maybe in this (laughs) revival maybe she's there and it's one of the actresses that nobody is thinking that could possibly be there, but she is. She is around. That would be cool. That would make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, on then to Hollywood AD, I guess, All right. if we're done with that. Uh, so David's second episode is the writer-director, and it's basically a little bit of end-of-term madness, <laughs> where... <laughs> We've got a few episodes left before the end of the show, so why not go to Hollywood and say they're making a movie about Mulder and Scully? And it's hard to find stuff to really sink your teeth into to talk about I this episode. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of shipper stuff, so I'll hand over to you with a line from the show. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or bees. <laughs>
1: um, you know, this might come as, a, as a, a big surprise to a lot of people, because I am a shipper, but... I am not a huge fan of this episode. It's it's fun and it's great to see that, that, you know, the entire cast is having fun. Especially Scully. You never see the side of Scully. She's laughing a lot. She's smiling a lot. She seems really, really happy. And I think that has a lot to do with their relationship. You know, they're at a good point at their relationship where they're very comfortable with each other. And you can see that through Scully because she changes her attitude a lot. But... it it, the story is a little uneven and I don't know, like I'm not a huge fan and except for like the, the cute little funny parts. I do like Gary Shanley as Mulder. That's funny. (laughs) He's kind of funny. (laughs) Um,
0: the best bit about that whole scene, though, when he's asking about you dress to the left or the right, is just yeah. Jillian running back and forth in the background.
1: Oh my gosh! Yes, that's so funny. It's it's hilarious to see that you know she's trying to teach uh, Taylor on a run. And before, if you if you're not paying attention to Mulder and and Gary Shanley talking, if you're paying attention to Scully. And you see that the her stunt double comes out right before, so you you actually see right before she goes off screen. So you see the two of them together when they switch, and the stunt double comes running back and forth, and you can still see Scully there at the at the very corner, and then she just disappears for like a tiny little second. That's really funny, and she's just running back, and it even looks like Taylor and is not giving a damn. She's just like whatever.
0: Don't really care. There's some some classic moments in the episode, but it's kind of... I don't want to say all over the place, but it's just kind of tonally. There's a lot of different tones throughout the episode. Yeah. Um, I do
1: think there's a fantastic scene in this episode, and it's the bubble bath scene.
0: Oh yes, scene that's, that, when I say brilliant. classic moments, that's it. Yeah. you have that, <laughs> that bit in the catacombs mean. where the skeleton, you know, the hands, yeah, are running around. They shine the flashlight through the skull and stuff, and it's like, what yeah. the hell?
1: CGI. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> yeah, that's great. And it's Kelly with a corpse in a morgue. That's yeah. There's like little. I do like the bubble bath scene a lot. I love how Skinner is so comfortable with telling them that he's actually taking a bubble bath. The other two were just, like, lying, trying to cover up what they were doing. And he's just like, what are you doing, Skinner? And he's like, I'm just taking a bubble bath.
0: Yeah, and that scene <laughs> is so perfectly crazy. executed. Yeah, because, it is. Because, I don't know, if they were all in bubble baths next to each other on the set or something, <laughs> because just the timing yeah. on each of their faces is perfect. Yeah. When he's like, hey, Scully, Skinner, uh, Skinner's calling me from a bubble bath. He's like, it's still me, bath." <laughs>
1: yeah
0: and then then he finally picks up the phone and finally gets through to Scully, and you know just the expression on her face changes instantly that the phone the call reconnects and yeah just perfect (laughs) timing
1: i like when
2: she says tay has a crush on him that cracks me up every Uh time yeah
1: were they married already at this point i don't know i think
2: they were and that's why it's so funny to me i don't know even if it's there weren't it's so funny
0: yeah, yeah, they they were either engaged or they were married. I think for sure. Yeah,
1: That's funny. You know, one the one thing that kind of um it it's not bother. It doesn't bother me, but it's it's just funny that Scully forget that um she would forget that the dead people from Millennium, because she mentions you know like she she tells Mulder so like you know there's not actually dead people you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what about the dead people of the Millennium that you just saw not that long ago?
0: <laughs> well, it's almost as bad as her in Millennium forgetting that she has a tattoo of the Ouroboros.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or maybe by that point she's already, she had already removed that. We don't know.
0: Yeah, well, that's how you know that their relation. Their, Sexual relationship didn't start until after Millennium, because otherwise, Mulder would have made some quip about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I don't care what Avi says about season six.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, there was no sex in season six.
0: No. Tattoo proves it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So many things, though.
0: Yeah, this is is a fun episode. It's not one I I go back and rewatch a whole, whole lot, because... Just, yeah, totally, there are kind of some weird moments, but there's some good yeah. moments, too.
1: It's... I do, I do like the ending. It's cute, the two of them talking. And, again, you get to see Scully laugh a lot, and, like, that great Jillian Anderson laugh is great. Yes. And, um, the dancing with the zombies at the end, I like that, too.
0: Of course, you get but, Chris yeah. makes another appearance in this episode. yeah. Is it just this one and Dwayne Barry he was in? Was it Dwayne Barry? Not Dwayne Barry Um, Anasazi? Uh, Yeah,
1: at the table in the FBI.
0: Yeah. Seems weird that that he's only in two episodes at this point.
1: Right? You would think that he would be in
0: more. But yeah, it's... This is one of those episodes where you can tell everybody on screen is having a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's pretty much what this episode is about, is they just all wanted to have some fun before the show ended, and Right, they definitely did. Yeah, let's move on and go to Jesuit. Yes,
1: <laughs> Laura, you want to talk about Fight Club? No, no, no. no. no <laughs>
0: the first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. <laughs> that's
2: a good one. Yep, yeah, that's all I want to say about
0: that. Okay, listeners, in my, in my defense. I've been saying this is the worst episode of the show since we started doing this podcast and I was going to skip over this. My notes for Fight Club are the first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Laura wants to talk about Fight Club.
1: (laughs) I actually have one little bit more of note on this episode because everyone says that Space is the worst X-Files episode but Space is like Memento Mori compared to Fight Club. That's all. It's no, I can't. And I, like I mentioned before, I had not watched this since it first aired, and I don't. Dem- no, yeah, I can't do there's it. There's <laughs> one good
0: moment I can remember from it, and I, this, I did not watch this one again. I, I could not bring myself to. But there's that bit towards the beginning, I think, where it's like their stunt doubles open the door. You think it's Mulder and Scully, but it's their stunt yeah. doubles.
1: because it's their voice. It's it's David and Jillian's voice. Yeah, yeah, never
0: yeah. paid that close attention to this episode.
2: <laughs> no, I I really just like the ending where you see them all beat up. It's so funny to me. I don't know why it is. y'all yeah. like all oh, fish shut. I love it. <laughs> That's all I want to say. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I can't see this episode. <laughs>
0: no. just souhaite then.
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was Chris Carter thinking? Because he wrote that episode.
0: <laughs> I, I, you know what I think it is. I think that, um, is it Syzygy from season three?
1: Yeah.
0: That got some negative kind of critiques of the episode. And there's obviously an idea there that he really was attached to and wanted to explore. And he felt like he didn't execute it properly that time around. So he tried to do it again and it came off even worse. Yeah. That's what (laughs) I think.
1: You should
2: know. Yeah. See, I like that episode too, though. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I like that one a lot yeah, more than I do I Fight it. Club for sure but I know that there were you know lots of people in the fandom weren't a huge fan and I know that the episode got some sort of um, professional critiques which weren't uh, some of the better ones that the show's ever had and I, I just think that he maybe wasn't satisfied with the episode as much as he possibly had been but I saw Fight Club's just terrible it's terrible yeah. <laughs>
1: terrible. It's awful.
0: It's even worse than Alpha.
1: <laughs> it's worse than anything yeah. else. Oh, shit. <laughs> I can't. And, like, Kathy Griffin doesn't really help either. Like I, I love I, her. <laughs> I'm not a huge oh fan of comedians, so I, I can't <laughs> really handle her. Even though, like, she, I, I like some of her political issues and like the, her political attitude towards a lot of stuff in the states No, I, I can't deal with her in this context. It just everything about that episode is all messed up and it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Nothing works in that.
2: <laughs> well, there's two of her in this episode, so that might yeah, be
1: the problem. <laughs> that, that, that is what that's too too many Kathy Griffins. <laughs>
2: Okay, we should move on. <laughs> yeah,
1: let's
0: go let's. to the sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Je so, this was potentially going to be the final standalone episode of the show. Right. <clears throat> so, what I want to know is did Vince Gilligan have some sort of deal in his contract where he was able to write and direct the last standalone of the series? Because not only does he do this one, when Season 7 looked like it was going to be the end, but he actually got Sunshine Days, which was the final standalone in Season 9. That's a good question. So I'm asking, was that some sort of contractual thing that he had?
1: Um, I actually don't know about that. Maybe.
0: Listeners, put your answers on a postcard.
1: (laughs) This was his first directing.
0: It was, yes. And so we had explosions, Invisible Man, so <laughs> all sorts of cool stuff.
1: Yeah, Vince. You know, like by this point, Chris knows that Vince is like a god. But if this was the last monster of the week that was ever going to be of the Exiles, like Chris put a lot of faith into letting Vince direct the ver- for the very first time. So, yeah.
2: Is, is it- this classified as a monster of the week? Is it?
1: just what yeah
0: it's well i mean i tend to say standalone you know standalone versus mythology yeah. because the standalones could be not necessarily monster of the week it could be exactly. anything you know yeah i mean it's just a, such a fun episode i mean from start to end it's just a delight it's just pure joy just watching these two morons Try and decide what they're going to wish for. Both of them completely oblivious to the fact that um, one of them, their legs don't work.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) and you know you have you have Scully and the Invisible Man, and just the sheer childlike glee on her face as she's dusting (laughs) the yellow on him. Uh, It's just incredible, and you know. like Sunshine Days was, it's it's a perfect send-off to the show in a way because you're kind of cementing Scully's acceptance of something greater than yeah. the science that she knows and has put her trust in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you do. And I, I love that um, about her too. You know, like she's excited, actively excited about something. You know, like she's a little, like a child who's excited on Christmas morning. And... It's, what is what is she excited about? She's excited about this medical mystery. And she is so happy about that. And Jillian's comedy acting in this episode is so on point. She's so good. I really like that.
0: Yeah. Like when she's dusting him, she's like... Doo, doo,
1: doo, doo, <laughs> yeah. Doo, 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 doo. It's so great to see her having <laughs> fun doing all that. I was like, yeah, let wants to do this. Um, I, I do like the, the actors where the brothers in this episode too, yes. like they, they play them so perfectly. Kevin
0: Wiseman, um, who is in Cause... Alias, if you've seen that yeah. show. He was kind of like the uh, the science gadgets kind of guy for the CIA. Huh. And then Will Sasso, who's inexplicably had some sort of Hollywood career. Yeah. <laughs> man, TV, yeah. In, in stuff since then. <laughs> but uh, they are both <laughs> awesome in this.
1: Yeah, they... they they're very good. They're
0: very in character. In my favourite, <laughs> um, my favourite line in this—you can't even really hear it. It's not that, that audible, but it's um, after Leslie has wished for Ansel to come back after he's been killed, and then Ansel's there in the background shivering. He's just—he's just finished screaming. He's in the background lighting the matches, trying to set the gas yeah. oven off to, to keep warm. And Leslie's just sort of wheeling away from him going, I wasted two wishes on you. And yeah. a perfectly good bowl of cornflakes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like that, that a lot. <laughs> so- oh,
0: I just love that line. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's great. <laughs> Too but it starts start off, off about that.
0: It starts off pretty dark. I mean how terrifying must yeah. it be to suddenly have your mouth disappear. Right. I mean, especially if you're a Kathy Griffin. I mean, it must be <laughs> scary as fuck, you know? Yeah.
2: I thought that was funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Says the girl who thought that it was funny to see Mulder beat to a pulp at the end of the previous episode.
1: That was <laughs> that <was> funny too. <laughs> yeah. Shut with metal.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's easy to see how this could have easily have been a much darker, scarier disturbing episode, but uh It just works so well as a comedy, and Vince really knows how to do that, even with these guest characters, you know, he nails them, and he completely, thoroughly understands who these people are.
2: Yeah.
1: I really like um, what Vince Gillian did with this episode a lot. Even with the directing, you know, like, the directing in this episode is pretty straightforward, but that's fine, because it's the story that carries you through. You you don't need any distractions or anything from it, it's just story being told is what you you're paying attention to which is
0: great yeah he just wrote himself in a corner a little bit with having the you know the explosion at the trailer park and the invisible man special effects and um downtown washington dc deserted
1: (laughs) yeah one of my favorite things in this episode is when um Mulder, you know, he makes his first wish and he's like trying to find everybody and then goes into Skinner's office and he's bitching at the genie and then like he re- he's like, okay I take my wish back and then like Skinner and all these FBI people are there and he's just like yelling at the he's genie like, and she's not I there. I think it's the like, problem
0: is that you just do bitch.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Skinner's like, Mulder? <laughs>
2: It's
1: so funny. It's that very great. I, I really
2: like the actress who played um the genie as well. I think yeah. she really matched she really matched um Mulder's deadpan humor, I think. Like she just like was able to deliver her lines and like I don't know, like she just did a good job, I thought.
1: <laughs> she was very, she was very good in the character for that. And didn't Vince Gilligan? And I watched the commentary of this a long, long time ago. And didn't Vince Gilligan say he wrote that thinking of another actress for mm, this part? Yes.
0: Um, let but me she, find it because I, I had that think, in my notes.
1: Yeah, I can't think of anybody else but this one. She's he so wrote
0: it. it for uh, Janine
2: Garofalo.
0: Garofalo, yeah. yes.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, she would have been good. I liked
0: that. But she was unavailable, so it was actually played by Paula Sorge, and Vince said that, um, in fact, she was even better than how I had written the character. Oh, that's
1: good. In her audition,
0: she came off like a world-weary wiseass who was not only tough and smart, but had a heart of gold.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, she plays it really well.
0: She does. She does. She needs that
1: part. You know what else I was thinking uh, on uh, watching this episode too? Like Mulder is so naive to think that he can um wish for world peace without wiping. And like that the only way to do that, there, there would actually be another way to do that without actually wiping the whole world population. Like you can't, how can you think that with all the religions and all the value systems and the code of ethics in the world, like that is basically the only way that you're ever going to get world peace. Is to wipe out everybody,
0: but that's why this episode is so cute. You have, you know, yeah. Scully and the Invisible Man, and then you have Mulder gets free wishes from a yeah. genie, and both of them just play it up because yeah. it, it's both kind of like their dreams come true in a way.
1: Yeah. One thing, though, is it's again it doesn't really bother, but it's kind of weird that why wouldn't Mulder wish. To find out what happened to Samantha, like if I were Moulder and I had three wishes, that would be my very first wish.
0: Because he likes the episode closure, and he bought into <laughs> the resolution yeah. that they gave him.
1: <laughs> I don't know. See, I don't know if he actually did or not. Because
0: he did. He says he finds closure, and there's I don't
1: know. and I want some believe- faults
0: in, with the episode, but you know. That's what it is, and his character found closure, whether we as an I, audience did or not.
1: Yeah, like, I really hope that he did, but you know, the thing that gets me with that is, and I want to believe, where he he's still... You still get the feeling that he's still searching for her. I don't know. Maybe it's just me.
2: Maybe it is. Maybe. Maybe in denial... <laughs>
1: ah uh, who knows I do like the fact that Mulder is the one who gets three wishes though <laughs> and it's nice that he gives her what she wanted at the end I did like that
0: yeah I should give a shout out actually to uh, somebody who's had a listener qu- send in a listener question for us in the past and on Twitter, the last few weeks, he's been very good at following up after episodes and asking more questions. Oh. Um, let me just look it up here. Uh, Benedict Arnold, yeah. he's at David John Cornwee. I think his full name is David John Cornwell. Um, but he sent me a message asking about Jay Sweat. And he's like, "Is it was Mulder's last wish? Or something him? like, they're in the apartment at the end and scully asks so what was your final wish and he kind of glances down at her stomach it's like was the final wish a baby and it wasn't unfortunately it was for mm-hmm. jane to be free and to go and have her coffee in the coffee shop yeah. um but i'm sure that that moment did not go unnoticed by any many of the shippers that are out there
1: i never really thought about that i always just
0: because yeah. you, you have that, you know, when you've watched it the first time, you kind of have that reading. It's like, so what was your wish? And you see them both there having a nice moment or whatever. And you kind of think, well, maybe that was his wish for the two of them to be together. But it's a fleeting <laughs> then, moment because then you yeah. see her, that she is free. And you realize, okay, it's the traditional resolution to the genie story.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, before you even have time to think about that, they already show the next part, and it's the Ginny sitting at the coffee shop, so you're like, oh, that's what he wished for. Okay. That was nice. But,
0: pop quiz, is she wearing the green, the green sweater in that scene?
1: No, it's not. <laughs> she wearing She's wearing a green shirt. shirt, yeah. No, it's a white shirt. Oh, yeah, that's right. No green sweater in this one.
0: Well, she did fall asleep on the couch, so, you know, it was prophetic in that way, I guess.
2: <laughs> My biggest question about this episode is Caddyshack? Really? Yes. <laughs> That's the movie you choose to watch. Uh,
1: maybe he wanted to watch um Plan 9 from Outer Space from again. <laughs> but <laughs> at least <he> said no. <laughs> that, that
0: makes me sad. Doesn't that make you sad?
1: Forty two times.
0: <laughs> and I just realized she doesn't fall asleep at this one. She falls asleep at the end of all things. So. Yep. No. Green sweater logic out of the window, sorry.
1: Yeah. No. I think she wears the green sweater in Brand Axe like, again. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back, but I'm, I I'm pretty sure she wears it three times in these episodes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I'm talking about somebody's item of clothing as if that symbolizes <laughs> <laughs> Something. <laughs>
1: I I can't remember uh, how long ago this was, but we used to spend endless nights talking about this. Like me, Avi, Tiff, Roy.
0: Oh, why uh, doesn't that surprise
1: me? <laughs> about the green sweater. <laughs> like hours and hours and hours. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the green sweater is yeah. <laughs> It's almost like a whole character in this show. (laughs) Not as big a character as the pregnancy book, though. That one is, like, big.
2: I was just going to say the pregnancy (laughs) book.
1: (laughs) The pregnancy book is almost like the stairway in the Titanic. You know, it's like a whole new character.
2: It will never die.
1: No, it will (laughs) never die.
0: Alright, and on that note then let's let's go on to Requiem.
1: Yeah.
0: Which was potentially at one point the final episode of the show. Hashtag green sweater. <laughs> so um let's um let's dive in, I guess, let's talk about uh, what's been going on behind the scenes? Because we haven't had much mythology in Season 7. We got Six right. Extinction, Preparter, and then we got Sun and like Enclosure, but it kind of wasn't really mythology. It was tying up the Samantha storyline, but it yeah. didn't give us a whole lot of much else. So aliens have been largely absent. Also absent has been the surviving members of the Syndicate, so there's a lot of filling in the gaps here. Uh, Marita is back on her feet and well again and back in favor with CSM. Krychak has somehow wound up in a Tunisian prison and CSM's health has deteriorated <coughs> rapidly uh, since we last saw him just a few episodes before in On yeah.
1: You know, that's funny because On is not technically a mythology episode. It's not officially a mythology episode. But to me it is. I mean there's it fits the mythology story.
0: Yeah, it's it's a character episode for a mythology yep. character really, isn't it? Yeah. Because it doesn't deal <coughs> with the, you know, the core mythology story, but it shows right. some more of what this guy is up to in the shadows.
1: Yeah, it explains a lot.
0: It does. It's a very good episode.
1: Yeah. That is, like, that is
0: one of my top five favorite episodes of anime. Well, since we're since we're going back to episodes we've already talked about, let's go back to our Rush conversation. Because we talked about how they use the same yeah. special effect in that episode yeah. as they do here. And, um, you know, maybe kind of what we saw in Rush was that uh, those kids were actually slowly being converted into super soldiers, and that's yeah. how they were able to have super speed.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh... I don't know, it kind of falls apart, because whenever <laughs> I see the word super soldiers, I automatically fall asleep, so...
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, it, you know, like... It, and what Scully says about that, like, when it picked her up and then it knocked her back down because it didn't want her, so, like, it one of those kids, you know, maybe it was a UFO there, and it one of those kids, and it was testing, and it got Gary in this one. Yes. And not Kelly back out because you don't want her. I don't know. I always think that those two might actually have some kind of connection.
0: What, Russian Requiem?
1: Yeah. Or? Yeah, Russian Requiem.
0: I think that, you know, we I mean, far be it from us to read too much into anything, right. <laughs> Green Sweater, but, um, <laughs> you know...
1: You're never going to let that go, are you? Maybe
0: we... Uh, It's the running joke for this episode, what can I say? (laughs) (laughs) I know, and it's easy to say, oh, you're really into too much of this because they obviously had some sort of cool special effect for Rush which fit that episode, and then they recycled it for this
1: one. It could have just been that, right? You know, like, oh, yeah, we, we stumbled upon, like, a great special effect. Let's use it again. But we never know.
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you don't know, do you? I mean, it yeah. could it could be that. Maybe it was all by design and, you know, what we're reading into Rush is actually what they intended. But at the same time, there's a friggin' White Buffalo Mobile above William's crib. Yeah. And right. Chris says, no, that's complete coincidence. So... Yeah. What do you do with that?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so instead of that, let's talk about... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of neat that this circles back to the pilot episode to their very first case together Right? yeah and that one scene in particular where they drive up to billy's house and they see him for the first time they're kind of catching up and he's like yeah i'm a police officer now since i saw you i've been married i've gotten divorced and right. i know that scene is quite sweet just because of who it is but also it it's kind of like a tip of the hat to all of the other guest stars that have been on the show that that was just one case and it happened to be their first case together but there's been a lot of other cases which have touched them and us so much since and so I take kind of take that scene as kind of the tip of a hat to all those other characters that they've encountered over the past seven years that even though their case may be over their X-File may be closed you know they've gone on and they've gone off with their lives as well and other things yeah. have happened to them they've had other stories and um, outside of the sphere of Mulder and Scully, and yeah, yeah. I just kind of think that seems kind of cool for that.
1: Yeah, it's great to see where it all began, like them going back to where thing began. I I thought that you know when you go back and and think about this at its time, at the time it aired, you know, like even though I there are some parts of season eight I liked a lot, it's it, this was a nice. No, I, I should say more than nice. This was kind of like the perfect final episode for the X Files, if there, there was ever going to be one, because it brings everything together in a circle.
0: Yeah, I would have hated this to have been the final episode if it ended not the way it. that this episode ends.
1: Yeah, and not get everything resolved. That yeah. is the only problem I, I have with this too.
0: You know, it would have been. You know, if this was going to be the final episode. By means, leave it open for revivals and so forth. You know, right. future movies, but
1: yeah,
0: I don't think any of us could have handled the show ending the way that this episode yeah. actually ends with him gone, her pregnant, and.
1: But you yeah. know, the, this is like the essentially the the. Uh, the spiritual ending for the x-files you know like we get super soldiers and all the other mythology stuff and there are a couple of good standalone episodes and there are in, some
0: fantastic standalone yeah. episodes in se- both season eight and but season nine i love those two seasons i hate the mythology what what happens after this
1: yeah i do too and and there's but it's this is a far more rewarding and powerful finale than the truth was. Even though yes. there are some aspects of the truth that I absolutely love, but it doesn't satisfy you as much as Rick does. I don't think.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not just the fact that you have, going back to their first case, there are lots of little moments that directly refer back to that episode where Scully's knocking on his motel door in a panic, yeah. something's not quite yeah. right, and...
1: Yeah. Yeah, like Chris Carter, that, it's funny that you mentioned that because that's like another it's one little clue, you know, that cuz Chris Carter leaves little clues throughout the entire episode oh, of yes. her pregnancy. And mm-hmm. you uh there's like tiny little things that you if you pick up on it, you you're not so surprised at the end when she says that she's pregnant like you're right. expecting it already. Meaning, I I love the beginning when when Mulder says that, you know, we could start sharing rooms. (laughs) (laughs) Are you actually, like, coming out and telling people that you're an item or whatever? Or you're just thinking about the budget here?
0: Yeah, I reduced his vision a little bit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I like Scully's face when, when Mulder mentions that he assaulted the otter and... I think had, it's because she wishes she had done it. <laughs> I, I, I like that scene a lot.
0: Yeah, and even that scene, it kind of sets it up that you, it feels like a series finale, you know? But...
1: Yeah. I um, I also like the scenes with Marita and Cancer Man in this episode, too. She keeps her cool so well, even though she hates him.
0: It's so nice to see her back on form.
1: Oh, yeah. Marina is one
2: of my favorites. Like, she's my favorite character. And I I love her and Krychek's relationship. That's one of my favorites.
1: Uh, Yeah, except that they're not... They're not so lovey-dovey in this one anymore.
2: No. And I like (laughs) how that sort of shifts in this episode as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, even their relationship seems to evolve in this episode because they seem very antagonistic at the start of the episode. But then they are, you know... uh, a complete team by the end of it, tossing him down the stairs and just stepping over him and yeah. off into the sunset to do their thing. And yeah, It's kind of sad we don't get to see more of them this season because I think the original plan was that they would actually team up and they would go and both work for the Russian Syndicate in Season 7. That was the original plan yeah. for the mythology for this year and obviously that never happened. But uh, it's so nice to see them back there and back together. And it's so nice to see that scene in uh, Skinner's office, the Last Supper scene, where you have all of them, Mother Scully, yeah. Skinner, um, Krychek, Marita, the lone gunman, all standing around the table.
1: I love that scene. You, you know, that's, all, that's almost like a, you're looking at a painting right there. Yeah, like,
0: like the Last Supper painting?
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> and not just like, even though, you know, this is video and you can see that they're talking to everybody. Yes. It stands still, you know? Like, you're almost like you're looking at it, and you don't even have to hear what they're saying. Like, you know what they're talking about. That I love that scene so much. I really like um, Mark Snow's score for this. It stands out beautifully in this episode. I also love Skinner's last words in this episode, too. I think that's probably my favorite thing Skinner's ever said, when he says, what I saw I can't deny, I won't. I I love that, that's so powerful. It's also funny how Skinner sees you at one time and he's like, a true believer. Yeah. Scully's
0: so a <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, I mean, we, I, you know, you go into season 8 and you're still kind of expecting Scully to be a little bit skeptical, and she still is, but at this point... Yeah the father of her baby has disappeared into the sky in a UFO, so she kind of has to buy into it a little bit at this point. Right. You know, and Skinner's just immediate, like you said.
1: Yeah. It's like, alright. Like, all right. I know alright, I know it all. It's all, you know, alien.
0: It's like, ever okay. since Vietnam I knew there was something more than this <laughs> existence, and now it's been proven to me.
1: <laughs> I saw it. He doesn't even doubt what he saw like, You know, he's like, oh yeah, that was a UFO uh, alien, you know, Tuck or whatever. He doesn't question not one shred of doubt.
0: No, you, you can see the look in his face as well when the UFO goes up. You can just see in his yeah. eyes, he's thinking, am I going to have to pick up all of these laser pointers by myself?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, that I mean, that scene, you know, with, with all those laser pointers, it's, it's such a cool visual scene, and I was thinking, watching this one back, you know, you have that teaser bit where um, Sheriff Miles is driving down towards the UFO crash site, and you have the fire going, you have the dials in his car, and I'm thinking... You know, the phenomenon surrounding UFOs has gotten a lot more cinematic since it, the beginning of this show, where Mulder and Scully are driving down the car just loses power and there's a flash of bright light, right? And a couple of stills of them sort of their heads swaying in the car, <laughs> you know? and the, the little uh, the leaves circling around the people in the woods, and then this when you have all this very cinematic stuff, explosions and stuff. It's like, hmm. That's interesting how that's evolved with greater budgets.
1: Uh, Right? (laughs) That's great.
0: So it would be in this, I guess, at this point to talk a little bit about the unease and the not knowing of fans after this episode aired. Um. Do you recall whether we knew when it aired, if it was going to come back, and if it was? No, we
1: didn't. I remember, because um, I watched this live, and we didn't know if it was coming back. And we, and then I think it was like a couple, I might be wrong about this, but I think it was a couple of months later. That's what I that thought. We did find out that it was coming back, but we didn't know, like, David hadn't signed his contract. So we didn't know because of that whole problem with Fox. We didn't... We knew it was... At, when this aired, we didn't know if, if the show was coming back. And then a couple of months goes by and we find out that it's coming back. But we don't know if David is coming back. I remember that a lot. Because I remember I was like, oh, how is this show going to go without Mulder? Yeah. But... Um,
0: and that's not a great environment to watch this episode, which was potentially the series finale. And it's one thing if you know or if you've been told this is going to be the end of the show, and you get surprised then that it is actually going to come yeah. back for another two years. But
1: yeah, I remember I was really that—that
0: that was what I thought as well. That you watching it, knowing it could possibly be the end, but nobody actually yeah. knew if it was going to be the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, I—I I remember being really mad when, I, when <laughs> I watched the finale. I was like, "How oh, can they not bring this back? Like, seriously, this can't be the end." But. I remember being really excited when I heard it was coming back, but I, then again, like I, we didn't know that. If David was coming back, so I was like, "Oh, I don't know about this now."
0: Yeah, I think that you know, it's been well documented that there was a large portion of the fan base not happy that he would not be back and that he would be somehow replaced um i can only speak for myself and i was just happy that the show wasn't ending yeah and i was on board with whatever they decided to do at that point
1: same yeah i was excited that it was coming back i was sad that you know maybe no more oh well but but um i think they even though it's not it's seasons eight or nine are not my favorite there are a few episodes that they even without Mulder they managed to do fantastic, like Roadrunners. I adore that episode. That it's such a good episode. There's a you know couple of a handful of episodes that are really really good. That if it, if the show had ended at Requiem, I would have been really sad that we would have missed out on all that greatness. Even though the majority of it wasn't just that good. But. And even though Doggett and Rayers are not, you're not so crazy about them when they first come in. But, you know, they kind of grow on you. So, I've learned yeah. to like them a lot. And I, it's kind of hard to imagine the them not being there.
2: And Jillian, she can easily hold her own. So, she did fine throughout oh, yeah. the eight. Like they weren't really needed, but I do like Rayus a lot. I don't really care for Doggett, but (laughs) Yeah. They were necessary. I'm sorry, Uh I'll straight out say I don't care
1: for him.
0: (laughs) Dollars and donuts, you're not gonna find a better replacement for Mulder than (laughs) Doggett.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I I like especially in the beginning of season eight when Scully teams up with Skinner, you know, to find him and all that. I I love the two of them working together. Then again, we were just like Meeting Agent Doggett, and we're like, oh, no, this guy's not going to work. You know, and he was needed because Scully... The, yeah, because
2: Scully was but, starting to turn into the believer, so like he was needed to be the skeptic then. So, yeah. and then Monica Reyes is just like crazy so, <laughs> with their whale. Song.
1: Yeah,
0: I, it, it works as a perfectly legitimate evolution of the show because you know, David was yeah. fed up with doing it at this point, and if the show was going to continue. These two characters have reached a point now where you can't just play the believer versus the skeptic as you've right. done for seven years, and it's it's yeah. been a bit of a uh, suspense of disbelief at some point that it's continued that long, you know, under They're that kind of structure. Yeah. So the show needed to evolve in order to continue, but granted, it was a bit of a forced evolution, yeah. and uh, right. But I think the you know I think the introduction of Doggett works. There's a couple of things which I think are a little heavy-handed in trying to get the audience on side with him. Um, but no, I was I was a fan of Doggett from the off, and like I said, I was just glad that the show was continuing. So I wanted to like him, and I wanted everybody else to like him, so that we could have yeah. more of these.
1: Yeah, I didn't like him in the. It's not that I didn't I didn't you know we didn't know him in the beginning, and. Yeah. We were upset that, you know, no Mulder, but he grows on you. You kind of learn to like him a little bit. And then you're just, yeah. I I I would have to say that I do like Agent Doggett a lot. He He's a good character.
2: I guess my main problem was I didn't like the Doggett. I guess I did like, like the one thing, but it took a lot of the attention away from the original show, I thought. Like, I don't know. I just didn't really care. <laughs>
1: but i don't think <laughs> that well, that
0: that's, that's honest that's <laughs> honest you know and
1: yeah you know i'm not I gonna don't...
0: throw it in your face and say yeah but you like Fight club so you know that's yeah. a <laughs> legitimate opinion i will respect that
1: but i don't think that's necessarily <laughs> the case though it's not it's not the character that you know you know what i mean like you the fact that seasons eight and nine i i want to say suck in quotes because they're not they don't 100 percent suck but it that's not because of the character in it. it, you know what I mean? It's it when you when you go back in and, no, yeah. and look at seasons eight and nine as a whole, you find out that the best episodes are you know like Doggett episodes and a lot of episodes with Agent Doggett where he's yeah actually- like. Like, the one with the
2: son is really powerful. Like, I can relate that to the John Walsh story with his whole son and everything. Like, I liked how that played into it. I liked that a lot. But, and I do like Reyes a lot. Like, I really like that character.
1: I like Doggett more than I like Reyes. She's just kind of, I don't know. She's crazy. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, my problem
0: with season seven and eight was that You know, if the show is going to continue, it did need to evolve. It did need to have these other characters. And they kind of manage it quite well, the way that Doggett is brought in to investigate Mulder's disappearance and how his relationship with Scully evolves and stuff. But the reason that those two seasons don't work for me is because the mythology goes off in a completely nutso direction with the super soldiers. And I wish they would have just abandoned that or just thought something completely different aside, no. away from the aliens and the fact that there's so much reliance on what has gone before, I think they just needed to, the writers just needed to be more confident in these two new characters they've, that they've got and not rely so much on Mulder in his absence the, the whole of season 8 no. is looking for Mulder after he's been abducted the whole of season 9 is, where is Mulder because he's on the run now Right, and they should have yeah. be more confident in those characters that they had and you know, we could have had a season 10 without David or Jillian at that point if they had done that. And they could have. They just didn't set themselves up for success in that way. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I love season 8, season 9. There are some episodes which I'm not a fan of. Um, but there's equally a number that I do really, really enjoy. And I yeah. absolutely love Doggett. Um, I like Greys, but I love Doggett. Yeah. Um and I'm looking forward to, to going back now and watching pretty much everything yeah. in season 8 and season 9 over the next several podcasts. <laughs> but I will say watching season 8 and season 9, you know, sort of living in that world when you go back and you watch a season 3 episode, classic Mulder and Scully, oh. you know, it's it's like okay, yeah, this is this is the really this, good stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um so as much as I love Doggett and Scully and Doggett and Reyes it doesn't hold a torch to the golden era of no, Smiles.
1: Absolutely not. No. But it's you know it kept us going when we didn't think there was going to be anything else. So we were excited about that.
0: Yes. No, I mean I I love season eight, season nine, and I think it it does all work really well. But yeah. what I'm saying is, you go back and you watch then an earlier episode with Mulder in it, and your smile yeah. just gets.
1: Oh, yeah. absolutely! Ten sizes you, if, <laughs> yeah, you find yourself rewatching more of the earlier episodes than you do. Yeah, season eight. I would have. To, I would even go as far as to say that I would. I rewatch more season eight episodes than I do season nine. But yeah, you know, there's still and and like when you mentioned before, you know, like the mythology is just all over the place and it doesn't it doesn't really work. But the William mythology is the part that I like. It's not not like but like I accept that explanation and it kind of fits. But yeah. I I definitely do rewatch more season 8 episodes than I do season 9.
0: Yeah, there's some really good standalones at the beginning of season 8 in particular. Yeah. Before yeah. Mulder comes back, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. Um I'm just looking through the list that we've got here now. Some good ones we've got coming up.
1: Roadrunner is
0: immediately great. Patience, I really love. Roadrunners, yeah. Invocation is a good one.
1: Is Medusa in that bunch too? Uh,
0: of- it's about the 12th. It's about halfway through the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a that's good another one.
1: another one I like too.
0: Um, Alone, of course. Leila like that. Harrison.
1: That's, yeah, that's oh yeah, that I like that one a lot. That's after yeah. Mother Comes Back.
0: Um, and then season 9... There's fewer, but the ones that are good John. are really good. John Doe, yeah, um Hellbound. Yeah. I'm a really big fan yeah. of. Yeah, that's a good one
1: too. Yeah,
2: I like that a lot. Demolicious. I like that in season
0: nine, but and and then season nine has just completely batshit. Where the fuck did that come yeah. from? <laughs> with yeah, 4D yeah. and Audrey Pauly. So yeah, we got. We have some that fun stuff
2: coming how up. how I felt about Sunshine Days, though. Like I thought that was like I know, but like oh my gosh!
1: I know it's you know like I know the it's it's like whole mis- Brady bunch thing. I was like
2: but, no, yeah. <laughs> and then they had it before the truth. Like that's the thing that killed me. Like oh, cannot do it. It's, oh. Sorry. It,
1: it, it, yeah,
0: I know <laughs> Tiffany's cannot... not a fan of that placement either. <laughs> yeah,
1: no. Oh. I did... The thing I can't deal with that episode, of Sunshine Days and stuff like that. Scully is all happy and bubbly, and she just gave her baby up. Like right. what's up with that? You should be depressed and sad and you're all like happy and
0: She's probably prescribing herself a lot of drugs.
1: <laughs> like come on.
2: The Brady Bunch, come on. <laughs> 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 I cannot get over it. No. <laughs> um. And you said Fight Club was bad? Okay. I was just crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like
1: Fight Club. I don't
0: think Sunshine Days is a bad episode. I think it no. tries no. to cover similar sort of ground as Je Suet does, in a way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess the placement of it is not good. Um, no. But, yeah. It, it's been a while since I have rewatched that one, so. Uh, yeah, I was going to say
1: that, too. It's been a while since I've seen Sunshine Days. But... No, <laughs> I I'd still have that easily as a screensaver and not Fight Club. <laughs> um, I do have one more thing to say about Requiem. Okay. And, um, okay. Uh, at the at one of the scenes where CSM is talking to Marita and uh, he can't remember where, what she says. She says something about God and stuff. And I, I think that's my favorite quote in the entire show, is when. He looks at her and is like, there is no God, Marita. What we call God is only alien. Like That is so powerful, the way he delivers that line. It seems like the sign...
0: I feel like that line he said so many times throughout the show, though. Yeah,
1: he did. He did it a couple of times. But okay. I love He does it to Marita in this line. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah he he definitely delivers it you know, really good on this occasion.
1: Yeah, I love it. Hashtag Greenswet.
0: <laughs> Quiz time! <laughs> In all things, uh, what is written on Mulder's cap at the end of the episode when he originally has a ponytail and then turns around and
1: oh? Uh, oh shit! I think it's there. There are three words, right? I'm trying to it's think. actually
0: two words, but the words. the word at the top is longer, and the way it's designed on the hat oh. does make it look like two words.
1: It's okay, a- no, I can't remember. Laura. Uh <laughs> huh.
2: <laughs> I have no idea. I remember I've I paid never- attention,
1: but.
0: Well, he's he's just gone to England to look for crop circles, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's something to do with that, so but... So he
0: comes back with a cap, which is very punny. It says, Stonehenge rocks.
1: Ah,
2: uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the first time I noticed it, and I thought, that's a quiz question. <laughs> In Brand X... How many of Morley's test participants died from smoking the quote-unquote healthy cigarettes?
1: (laughs) Is it three?
0: It is.
1: Ah, I was thinking, was it three or four?
0: And then uh, in Hollywood AD, what's the name of Skinner's old college buddy who is now a Hollywood writer-producer?
1: Oh, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, in Jesuit, which former president does the episode allege once had the service of a genie?
1: Nixon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're skipping five. <laughs>
0: and in Requiem, what are the name of the apartments where Cigarette Smoking Man lives?
1: Watergate. Correct. Yep, Watergate.
0: F- well, that's four out of five.
1: Yay.
0: Well done, you.
2: <laughs> Neato, gang. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hashtag green sweater.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll go ahead and we will wrap up here. Uh, listeners, please go over to x X-Files, um, you can click on the contact button and send some listener questions for us to answer in upcoming podcasts. Please, please do that. Whilst you're there, you can also click on the Amazon affiliate link to go and do some shopping over on Amazon. Uh, I think this episode goes up right at the beginning of Christmas uh, right at the beginning of December. So if you have some last-minute Christmas shopping to do, please, please, please use that link. It won't cost you anything extra, but a little bit of the money that you spend after going through to Amazon by that route, uh, a little bit of that money will come back and help support the podcast, uh, pay our fees for keeping the files online and so forth. Um, you can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm David D. Howard on both of those. Uh, if you want to chat about X-Files or movies or send me some listener questions, then please, please do that. Um, also go over to xfiles.news, which should definitely be live by the time this podcast airs.
1: Yay, oh, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: how else can people get in touch with um, x news and with both of you?
1: Um, yeah, they can still find us on most social media platforms. We're on Facebook twitter uh we're trying to until our website is back up we are trying to post a lot of our main stuff on tumblr from now on so keep an eye out on on our tumblr and instagram as well so um it's all x news you can still find us there
0: cool well thank you very much trish thank you very much laura
1: Thank you so
0: much for asking us.
1: Um, yeah, thank
0: you. I hope that we can get you both back on uh, before this ends. I know we're coming into like the final stretch it's so now. so that we're
1: almost at the end.
0: It is. This is episode 31, I think. And uh, let me have a quick look. I think we have just over 40 episodes total. And wow. It's, it's going to be done.
1: Soon.
0: Let me see. This is episode 31. And uh, episode 43 is going to be my
1: struggle, too. Wow. So It can't... It's its so surreal how close it is to the new season. I'll tell Jesus, you what. If, I can't believe it. If you've
0: got something that you're really looking forward to and it's, like, over a year away, do a podcast about it because it'll go by in, right? in, in no time.
1: <laughs> in no time whatsoever. Like, how is it November already? And, you know, it's just a little over two much. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's close. <laughs> it's so close.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's it's gonna be, be the shit here.
1: storm of all time. Yeah.
0: So whoever <laughs> out there actually found a genie wrapped up in a rug, thank you. Right. <laughs> what? Um. So yeah, that's it for this week's show. Um, I will be back next week. Uh, we are going to cut into the first slice of season eight and we're going to talk within fruta Via Negativa. So please join us for that, won't you? You've been listening to X-Files Talk X-Files. I'm David Howard, and I've been in a bubble bath this entire time.
1: And flying saucers and teas, And government conspiracies But I've seen none of
0: the above If I did, I think I probably would run a million miles Lose my little mind